this podcast series in which we share conversations with interesting and inspiring people in the large yacht industry. Today, I'm pleased to welcome Sean Marr, a well-known super yacht captain who, like many do, has transitioned to land after an extraordinary career at sea. We're going to get into that extraordinary career in this conversation, but I want to first give you a little bit of a background uh, on him. Born and raised in Cape Cod, Sean ran vessels ranging from search and rescue craft to powered mega yachts and sailing super yachts. In our industry in particular, he is perhaps best known for taking the helm of the famous motor yacht Latitude, upon which he led journeys through the Northwest Passage twice and a circumnavigation of Svalbard, coming within 400 miles of the North Pole. That's pretty incredible. So due to his experiences as an explorer and an expedition leader, Sean now has speaking engagements around the world with fellow yachting enthusiasts as well as adventurers at heart. As much as he loves sharing stories from his travels, though, he is particularly passionate about one thing, creating the perfect customer journey. And that's a big part about of what we're going to be talking about today. Sean is here to share insight, not only into what constitutes the perfect customer journey, but also how to deliver it time and time again. So, Sean, welcome to Mega Yacht News Radio. Hi, good morning. How are you? Good, good. How are you today? Good, thank you. Excellent. So let's let's talk about your background a little bit more. Um, growing up in Cape Cod obviously exposed you to a lot of different aspects of the marine industry. But what was the, the first job that you had in you know in terms of yachting or the marine industry overall? And you know what made you kind of gravitate towards it? Well, the uh, it, I suppose if I grew up in the in the Midwest or out west, I would have rode horses and become a cowboy. Uh, but growing up here on Cape Cod, uh, you know, we're directly on the water, uh, I grew up sailing. Um, the first sailboat that I got was when I was eight years old. Uh, my mother gave me a laser, which is probably something they put her in jail for these days. The uh, <laughs> and said, <laughs> and she said, um, you know, I could where I could sail was. Um, in this little area called Bass River, and I could I could sail in the river, but I couldn't go out out of the mouth until I was um, until I was a little older. The and that's how uh, um, that's what what I grew up what I grew up doing. I then graduated to a 13 foot Boston whaler, and then you know you, you then you crew on friends boats or you go out on other sailboats. And when I was 14, I started working for a company called Highline Cruises as a deckhand on their sightseeing boats. And uh, by the time I was 18, I got my captain's license, and I became one of the youngest captains at Highline Cruises. And it's funny because, I, I mean, I look you – know, I'm fortunate enough to look pretty young now, but I looked really young when I was 18. And this one woman came on board. She looked in the pilot house, and she said, excuse me, Sonny, where's your father, the captain? And I said, well, I'm the captain. And then she laughed. And then we took, you know, then of course we took the boat off the dock and I heard her and my deckhands were really young too. And I heard her saying, there's a bunch of little kids running these boats. So, <laughs> um, so that's, uh, that was my, I just, I just grew up doing it. Um, I've had other, I've had other careers and different, different types of careers, but I always came back to 
I always came back to the uh, the the yachting thing. It was uh, all through high school and then college. I I ran boats, and then um, uh, after school, decided that I was going to go to New York and and um, work in finance. This is right around Gulf War One, and what happened was that uh, they laid off a, a bunch of people. So I wound up working for a company there called World Yacht as a project manager on some pretty big projects and got to run some um, some really interesting boats in Manhattan. Uh, from there, I went out west and did uh, search and rescue out on the Colorado River, which was that was probably one of the wildest jobs I've ever had. Uh, then moved back to Maine where again I had a kind of a real job uh which was uh, was my job to bring goods and services from the state of Maine into the Japanese marketplace and I was doing I was doing that by day and then in the summertime I was running I was running these uh these sightseeing boats and little cruise boats um up in Maine and I at that point I had an opportunity to go uh, I had a choice I could go into kind of the corporate finance world or I was offered a chance to go run this 65 foot uh, um, it was like a big azimuth it was an Antago uh, for a guy who owned um, J&R Music World Joe Friedman and I chose the latter I, I went I went and did that and I had a I had a blast with him that summer he was he was a lot of fun ironically he had gone through four captains in as many weeks and it was that nobody could really, nobody kind of kind of got him. He was a he was a relentless ball buster, but he was did it in good spirit. But if you didn't take it and such, or if you didn't give it back to him properly, he he would eat you alive. It was just his nature. But uh, but I got along really well with him, and he was one of the funniest funniest guys that uh, I, I I'd ever work with. And and Joe was Joe kind of gave me gave me that said huh this is something that i i i might want to do from there i went on um i went and got a job as a mate on a uh on a pretty high profile yacht uh the captain and i just didn't get didn't get on that well it was one of the first times that i ever ran as uh as mate and um it was uh it, it was probably one of my worst experiences in um in yachting in one way, but also one of my best experiences. It, um, when I left that job, actually it was one of the few jobs I ever got fired from. Oh no. (laughs) The only job I ever got fired from. And I took it really, really hard. And it, um, I went, uh, because of that, it was funny. He, the, the, the captain said something to me that probably I got to give him uh, some responsibility for my career. He said, I, he goes, I don't think you're cut out for this career. And the the one thing that if you really, really want to get me angry is like, tell me no, that something mm-hmm. can't be done. So when I left that job, I went and went back, ran the ferries between um, Nantucket and Martha's Vineyard. Then I took that opportunity. I took that winter to really reassess, okay, what do I want to do with my life? And I decided I was going to get a bigger captain's license and I was going to take classes in management. And what I found was that I really wasn't bad at my job. It was, uh, it was, um, um, I needed, I needed some, I needed some work on management and I really, and at that point I chose to 
focus on focus on buoying up those those skills. And so I turned one of the probably the worst experiences I had in, into into one of the best. Um, fast forward five years later, I was doing I was working on some other boats and doing some other things. I had a company that I sold it, and I was literally sitting at my desk, and F. Lee Bailey, the famous criminal attorney, called me, and he said, "I have a client that has a boat. Would you be interested in running it?" And it was this little 65-foot Kong and Halverson here in New England. And I said, sure. And I jumped on. And again, I had a great time doing it. And it was one of those trips. I mean, we're talking about the perfect customer customer journey. But it was we got completely all the wrong information. It was a family of 12 people on this little on this little boat. And they were sleeping all over the place. Uh, the guy that charred the boat was uh, it was it was a he was a really lovely guy. And it was his longtime friend and his family was great and his kids were great and they we were supposed to just do day cruises out of Newport and he shows up and he goes all right we're ready to go and he wanted to see all of New England and I looked at him and I said okay let's go and <laughs> kind of had no itinerary no idea where I was going to go but um uh, it it became the the beginning of an of uh, of an interview that I give all my guests when they when they come on board to find out what really is important to them and find out what they um, what they want to get out of this vacation and um, and we turned that trip around from probably what had the potential to be disastrous into one of the most memorable and, and best trips I ever had. The uh, uh, I'll go into some some other examples of that in 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 a minute, but. Anyway, from there, I went to Thailand, ran his 65-foot. Uh, he had a little expedition vessel there. We were there right after the tsunami. We helped out. We went there with the original intention to kind of help out with uh, the relief effort, but the Thai government had done such a good job. They really didn't need us. Um, that was a very interesting time in, in Thailand's history. There was nobody there due to tourism. The uh, The tsunami had kind of killed their entire economy and they bounced back. And I think that's a good metaphor for kind of what the, the situation that we find ourselves in today is like, yeah, it seems depressing. There's going to be some people that are going to be really, really hurt by this. It's it's like a tsunami has has wiped out their businesses, but um, Thailand is back and, uh, and stronger than ever. And I think that's a, a, basically as humans, that's what we do. Anyway, Mm -hmm. from there, um, Actually, Sean, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't mean to. I don't mean to cut you off, but I definitely want to make sure we cover a couple of things. Um, sure, tell me. Which you can, you know, which you can. I, you're probably going to end up going into detail on anyway, just with the, some of the questions I definitely wanted to ask you. Um, you know, you were talking about actually this, you know, this whole feeling that a lot of people have right now about um, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of concern. Um, you know that that actually I think is a, a good opportunity to talk about how this industry really does have an impact on people's experience and people's mood. And and there was something that you had said when you and I talked a few days ago that really struck me. It was it was something that was so simple and yet so powerful. And I'd love for you to elaborate on it. You said something along the lines of, you know, "We're not curing cancer of the body, but definitely curing cancer of the soul." And you told me a story about a, a particular customer who had come aboard one of the charter yachts you ran. So I'd love for you to to kind of give that sure. as an example. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, 
so basically what what that was this is uh, I, I found myself in in the Mediterranean um, running running a charter vessel there and the guest came on board and he was um, he was you know big big Russian guy and he ran one of the largest factories in the world he had three hundred and fifty thousand employees but to back up a little bit from that is I used to joke to my crew. It's like, Oh, it's not like, you know, we're, we're, you know, kind of a frivolous business. It's not like we're uh, curing cancer. And this is a trip that really, that really the light bulb dawned on me that says that what we do does have value and what we do can impact lives on a much broader, on a much broader level than, than any of us really think. So he came on board and after a couple of days, uh, I, I said after about a day or two, I said to him, I said, "Is there anything wrong?" And he goes, uh, he said, he says, "Well, he says I've got a lot on my mind." And I said, "Well, if you don't mind me asking, what's that?" He says, "Well, when I get back, I've got to lay off twenty thousand people." And it was really, really weighing on him. He was generally, he was a really decent guy. He didn't want to let these employees go, um, and it was like the weight of the world was on his shoulders. So, anyway, we continued on with the trip, and. He was sullen and distant at the beginning, but by the end of that trip, by all the fun stuff that we had done, he was his color was better, his demeanor was better, he was having fun with his family, he had reconnected with his children. Uh, his perspective on life was completely different. And at the end of that trip, he said to me, he says, you know, I think I figured out a way to keep the peop- these people on. And that's when I thought it's like we may not be curing cancer of the body, but we're, we're, you're curing cancer of the soul by de-escalating this guy's stress level. He was able to think clearly. And in this instance, when you're talking about this, this individual who was responsible for 350,000 jobs, that's incredibly important. And that's the opportunity that we have in this industry. We, um, we serve the 1% of the 1%. It's the people that have – that have their their fingers on the buttons of industry, of government, and as society in, of how we um, how we interact in society. I mean, people that really really make a difference. And whether that's by their choice or by their their grinding, that's it's just who the people that we we deal with. And by showing them, reaffirming their faith faith in humanity, or by showing them. Um, you know, dolphins swimming or polar bears or or whatever, you 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 broaden their horizons and show them that that there's that, that the world is still a good place. And, you know, we even like even like a lot of the trips that we did through the well, the trips that we did specifically through like the Northwest Passage and stuff, we saw uh, we actually saw glaciers that had receded like a mile in a thousand years, but yet in the past 30 years, they've receded a mile. You can see the, you see the direct impacts of like global warming. We saw polar bears that were starving up in, um, up in Svalbard and we filmed them and we made, and we made movies, um, movies about that, but that, that had, that had impact. And that when you talk about, so in the people that have watched these films, you know, they run oil companies, they make hybrid cars. They're like, you know, Jesus, this global warming's this global warming is real. These um, uh, 
uh, the the impact that we have on the environment is real. I remember I dove on a reef in the Tuamotos. This is a couple of years ago, and we're finding plastic potato chip bags a thousand miles from anywhere. I mm. mean, we're places that shouldn't be. And um, and you show someone that you know runs a runs a plastic plant that they're like, Jesus, we're having an impact. Maybe we need to change how we do business or how we how we handle how we handle waste. So, um, again, not only can we reaffirm people's faith in humanities, but we can really change their entire world, their entire entire outlook upon the world. And that's what this industry has the potential to do. And that's what I think we um, we a lot of people that we often lose sight of. And I think that the media portrays us often as just like one giant drunken party. And, and that's rarely been my experience i've the most of the people that i've had the pleasure of of cruising with on charter or people that i've worked for are completely the opposite of that um of kind of that that media persona yeah yeah let's talk about that a little bit more too because that that's a really good point i think a a, a lot of people from outside of the industry when they hear about yacht cruises and yacht charter the image is that it's um you know, it's the the experience of the food, the drink, the party, the beautiful place to stay. And it is, but it's more than that. And and I know you really believe that um, it comes down to something subtly more than that substance. You know, there's, um, there's a, an important acknowledging them and making this experience far more personal. And you told me a great story about um, a trip you had in Italy with a, uh, a tour of the Vatican. Why don't, why don't you talk about that in terms of how that really comes down to delivering that customer experience? I mean, it's a funny story, but it, it's also very telling. I think at a lot of levels, it's very telling. If well, you could thanks. tell that, that briefly, was... that'd be great. Sure. Yeah. So anyway, so I was giving, uh, I was giving a tour of the Vatican and the tour guide that we had was just awful. She really had no, I'm sure she had an excellent knowledge of, uh, of, uh, Art in the Vatican, but she had no sense of showmanship or how to read an audience. And basically, my guests were bored. They, she didn't give them time to really look at things, and she she didn't really care about the reaction. So about 15 minutes into the trip, in, into the into the tour, I looked at her and I just handed her like 100 euros. I said, "Thank you very much," and she was shocked. And she goes who's going to give the tour? And I looked at her, I go, I am. And so, uh, so I began to give the, I began to give this tour of the Vatican. Now my knowledge of Italian art or the Vatican is pretty limited. The only time I had done a, a, a tour of the Vatican prior was with a, with a Russian family. So I did the Vatican in Russian. So I know nothing, <laughs> but the, but the one thing that I do have is I have phenomenally good eyesight. And so that way, when we came to a painting, I could read the little sign under the painting far further away than like anyone else could. And so they looked at me, they're like, wow, this is an amazing tour. And I was, and I made it entertaining. And like, and where I had to, you know, elaborate and kind of fill in the blanks on some stuff, I knew enough about art and, and stuff that I could, I could use an amusing, amusing antidote. But the, uh, the, the key thing was, was to, was to keep it, keep it moving keep it moving, keep, keep them entertained. Again, you're dealing with people that, you know, have been 
backstage the best concerts ever um, that have seen things that uh, few of us have. And when they get bored, you really got to think fast on your feet. Is like, okay, do we bail or or, or what do we or what do we do? Um, another quick story on Pompeii. This is just pretty funny. I had a deckhand uh, that was uh, he was a really good looking guy from South South Africa. Big muscles, just handsome. And um, we we're at Pompeii, and he looked at the people that had been um, mummified by the by the volcanic ash, and he said, "He goes, wow, this is people in Pompeii were relatively small." And he goes, uh, "Would I have been a gladiator?" And the tour guide we had for Pompeii was fantastic, and he was a great storyteller. And he just looked at Martin, and he was amongst the guests, and he looked at Martin, and this great Italian baritone voice says, "He says, nah." you would have been a god. <laughs> you know, like, like, completely blew his ego. Like that was, but like the people loved it. And, uh, uh, and Martin was like, you know, kind of with his chest out, did the, did the rest of the tour. And, and the, the women that were on the trip were like, yeah, I, I guess I think maybe that that guy was right. But anyway, it was pretty funny. But, um, <laughs> oh, that's uh, a great example though, about the, about making it, you know, much more relatable, making it more personal. And I'm, I'm sure the guests probably still tell that story to this day. <laughs> oh, they do. Yeah. They do. <laughs> that's um, great. So let's talk a little bit too about your experiences aboard Latitude because those were, I mean, absolutely remarkable and extraordinary experiences. You know, I, I feel like I use that word a lot, but coming within a few hundred miles of the North Pole is definitely not something that your, your average person does. So what would you say are like one or two of the biggest takeaways that you had from, from that experience or the biggest takeaways in terms of the customer experience? And Neil Thadani, who owns the, the owner of Latitude, is an, is an exceptional human being. He's a absolutely wonderful man. His family's wonderful. His friends are great. Um, you start with a foundation like that, and how can you go wrong? He also has a spirit of adventure that is unparalleled. And the two of us, basically, I would pitch things to him, and he'd say, okay, let's do it. When um, we first looked at the Northwest Passage, I showed him a big map on the wall, and I said, where do you want to go? And he goes, I want to go to Alaska. We were in Fort Lauderdale. I said, well, we can go through the Panama Canal or we can go up over the north, through, over the top to the Northwest Passage. And he looked at me and goes, oh, we have to do that. And, um, and so we, we, we did. And it was, um, they were, it was, it was amazing experiences. The, uh, the, the short movie that we did, The Highest Latitude, was about our trip to Svalbard, and that's when we did punch. Yeah, we did punch fairly close to um, to the to the North Pole, and then we did it just because you know we to do it. Um, we never had an agenda on on board that boat, other than like just to ha- like we ask ourselves, is this going to be fun? And that was our idea of fun. And when we got up past eighty one degrees, what did we do? It's like well, everybody jumped on an ice floe and went hula hooping and built snowmen. <laughs> so <laughs> that was <laughs> that was uh, that's what we did when we when when we got up there. Yeah, it was an adventure, but we we also had fun. We also had fun doing it. Um, oh yeah. And along the way, we uh, and along the way, we took some great pictures. I love that that whole guiding principle was, is this going to be fun? Because yeah. I think as, as much as so many owners and guests, uh, you know, they, they step aboard, of course, thinking they're going to have fun, they're going to relax, et cetera, et cetera. I think sometimes they lose sight of the fact that 
if you just kind of yield control and just say, I don't know, let's see what we can, what we can do and, and just open your mind to the possibility, the, the fun factor maximizes exponentially. It does. They, um, also too, it's like these, it, the, the key thing to, to the perfect customer journey is, is, is just to listen. Um, and everybody wants to be told a story and everyone wants to be part of a great story. Uh, one of the best trips I ever did, one of the best charters I ever did was, um, for a family in Texas and they, we, we did new England. We ended the charter in New York and, they uh, they were they were demand they were a lot of fun but they were go 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 and the last night we were there we were supposed to stay at the dock at Chelsea Piers and then the next morning they were getting off well they went to go see a Broadway play and as they were driving back they called me now I had given up my cabin and was sleeping in the engine room on um, <laughs> this particular trip so I was pretty tired <laughs> so the phone rang. And he goes, can we go out for a cruise? And I remember thinking I could give a ton of excuses of why we couldn't do it. But I said, all right, fine, we'll do it. It's the last night. Well, anyway, I came up on deck, and it was a magical night. The temperature was perfect. It was glass calm. They arrive. We, we leave. We're cruising through Manhattan. Now, earlier, he had told me that New York was special to them. This is where he had... Um, he and his wife had started their life together where they fell in love, where he started his business. It was the beginning of his career. And being able to charter a boat and take his family on a trip like this was a dream of his. So when we were parked off the Statue of Liberty with Manhattan and the Brooklyn Bridge and the moon coming up, it was, it was, it was, the, setting, it was the setting of a movie. And I remember I was up forward. There was a little hatch there. I was, I, I was up for they were They were up there. They were having a glass of champagne. And I go, cue the music. And we played this song that that was, that was special to them. And right there in that moment, it, it was both of them had that feeling of, like, we've made it. They were on board with their family, their favorite song in front of the city where they fell in love, where he became successful. And... Th- that was the perfect ending to to a um, to to the perfect customer experience. It was like at that point, roll credits. It, right. it was it was it was perfect, and I got such a buzz out of giving that type of experience to people that it's infectious to the rest of the crew. And I remember that was the turning point with that. That was a particularly ornery crew. But when they saw that, when they saw the transformation that those people actually had and that particular night, they got it. They got what we were, um, they got that what, what we really do is important. Yeah, that's great. That's perfect. And I, I think that's also the perfect way to, to wrap up this conversation about the perfect customer journey. No, you know, no pun intended in, in repeating no. the word, but it really is. It's all about, you know, creating a net just for them, but for everybody else who's involved in, you know, making that magic happen. So thanks so much for sharing these insights and these great stories. And I think more than a few people are going to take away some good lessons from this. Well, just one final thing, and you just actually you just made me realize that it's equal. Justice is, is the perfect customer journey for the guests on board. The crew ex- experiences that same buzz. Um, it goes it it goes both ways. It has it has definitely a, a much broader effect um, by you doing something 
extraordinary and something good for someone else, um, that feeling goes both ways. That the, oh, the yeah. guests then want to do something good for good for you, good for you as well, and, and that's not necessarily monetarily, but sometimes that's just that was just a, the the um, the recognition that wow, that was the best trip that we've ever had, and sometimes yeah. that's all the thanks that you need. Oh, absolutely. I can imagine. Yeah, it it totally pays it forward. Terrific. Well, Sean, thanks again. Um, My pleasure. We wish you all the best with your future speaking engagements. And uh, actually, if people want to book you, we'll make sure they have that info. Your company is Excitement Factory. Yeah, you're very Um, welcome. Yeah, my website's yes. Excitement Factory. If you want to email me, my personal email is sean at allthingsfun.com. There you go. Even better. <laughs> and, of <laughs> course, if anybody wants to explore the wonderful world of charter, Sean is also a broker with Apollo Yachts. So you can visit that company's website at apolloyachts.com. That wraps up this episode of Mega Yacht News Radio. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you like what you hear, you can absolutely uh, share the word of course on social media or subscribe to our feed automatically via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio or Google Play Music and Google Podcasts. And of course, if you'd like to learn more about what's going on in the world of large yacht cruising, new construction and design, you can check out our daily updated website which is megayachtnews.com. Until next time, I'm Diane Byrne. 